Hello everybody, uh, this is Stephen Lurie with B2B Rocks. Today is December 15th. It's 6 p.m. Central European time. I've got on my festive Christmas scarf, scarf kind of getting in the mood. I'm not sure if I could put on the, the hat. No, it won't go on. Um, with the headset on, sorry about that. Any case, uh, here to talk a little bit about SaaS marketing today. Um, looking forward to our guest, Allison Murdoch. This is the second to our last sh show. Um, we have one more show, which we'll be doing on Tuesday on IoT. We'll be talking about what's going on in that market and why it hasn't developed like um, analysts predicted it would. Uh, with that, let me bring in our guest. Hopefully she's here and, and doing well. <laughs> Hi, Allison. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I am well. How's the weather out in San Francisco? First thing. Good question. Well, number one, it's sunny, which is yeah. very nice because last week was um, torrential rain, um, but yeah. it is quite cold for San Francisco in the 40s. Um, so whatever that would be in Celsius for the broader audience, I have no idea. I can't remember. It's <laughs> 40s, yeah. Not, not like four or five degrees, something yeah. like that. That's starting to get pretty cold. It's pretty cold for, for, for California. So, yeah. Well, good. They got a lot of snow and California needs water as well. We so need water. We have snow in Tahoe. We have snow in Shasta. And that is what I'm doing is I'm going to snowboard tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow. Cool. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, listen, um, be safe first thing and then enjoy the great snow out, out in California. All right. Um, 2022, which is quickly coming to an end. You've got your Christmas shopping done, right? Uh, no, I have a list that my children sent me. Um, they have very, yeah. everything they want is from, from a vintage store. So it's going to be quite tough, but I know So I'm not done. I have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Uh, it happened here. Odd. Uh, let me just. Is it somebody else joined? CC. Yeah. Okay. Let's just push these people out. Wait, yes. Oh, uh, or. We'll just bring you back because we really want to talk to you today. Yes. These other people are, are great too. Well, listen, um, 2022 has been a crazy year. Mm -hmm. We last saw you this summer in the South of France where you gave a couple talks at B2B Rocks. Yep. Everything was, all, all lights were green. Everybody was doing well. And since then, we, as an industry, we've seen headwinds. It, a lot of headwinds. Lots, a lot lots of, headwinds. of panicking. Yes. That too. Lots of panicking. Mm hmm well, th that's kind of why I wanted to bring you on. So I read a report. I didn't save it, unfortunately, but it was a few weeks ago that said that SASs who weren't cutting back on marketing were doing better than SASs that were cutting back on marketing. Yeah. Hmm. And I think it's kind of a bit of a red herring argument because I think SASs that aren't cutting back on marketing are probably better funded for one yes. and probably have a better idea of product market fit mm -hmm. and a lot of other stuff. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I think the other type of startup that isn't really cutting back on marketing and kind of can afford to invest, um, you know, dip their toes in the, in the water are earlier stage startups. So that, you know, a lot, I work with a lot of them and nothing's really changed for them. And, and I, I think where you get into trouble a little bit as a SaaS startup is the in-between. Um, so, you know, you, so you have a little bit of funding at the beginning, you start to put down the foundations, there's really no risk because you really haven't done anything. Then you've got the later stage uh, startups who have plenty of funding and a team and they're being efficient and they're, 
you know, being mindful. And then you've got this middle, messy middle of ones that have some funding, probably maybe the runway isn't that long. They went crazy with hiring, they went crazy with investing, and now they've got to cut everything in half. And, and that's a really difficult place to be as a startup. And it's, it's panic driven. And I think marketing, unfortunately, kind of gets the short shrift in the, these situations because it's a cost center. And secondly, the lack of understanding of marketing and how it touches every single thing at a company is also standing in the way of any kind of progress. So from, so my, from my perspective, you know, good CEOs, good marketing leaders are being cautious and taking a step back and actually digging into the numbers and the value of what they're doing and seeing what's driving what, um, and then carefully creating a simpler plan um, that doesn't require them to stop, but to continue in a very efficient way. Okay, so it's it's really just being judicious and mm -hmm. and and going back and doing that thing. So it it sounds like if I understand, so earlier startups are looking to validate mm -hmm. and look find their product market fit and make sure that's right. Yes. Late later on, when they've been funded and they're in the scale up stage, most of the things have been figured out. So all things are go. They're still investing in marketing because mm -hmm. they still. I've heard this number: the golden forty. Like uh, you want forty percent margins and mm -hmm. growth numbers, yeah. so they're they're kind of around that. It's it's really the people that are in between mm -hmm. that haven't gotten quite to scale up that. Yes, and I I think you know, and I see because you know my business, <clears throat> I, I work with startups kind of of all sizes. You know, everything from okay. pre-launch, really. I mean, I have a couple of companies right now that are in beta at the moment, um, but you know, have very experienced. People and actually, when they, I mean, they even launched, and I'm doing marketing work for them already. So these are people who've been there before, done it. They know why marketing is valuable. Um, and then I have later stage companies, or like Series C growth stage as well. So I'm I'm seeing a lot of things across the board. I think that where where it, the companies that get into trouble, the ones that just never really invested in marketing sooner soon enough. So they've just poured a bunch of money into programs and people and they're like, oh my God, this isn't working. I, you know, cause it takes a while to get, you know, it's, it's, it's a, not including the time to build the processes and set up the technologies and the systems. You got to give it about a year for all of the things you're doing to work. And that the panicking is, is what I'm seeing with some of these companies they are like, uh, uh, it didn't work yet. So we got to cut it. And, and that's just, I, the you know Silicon Valley specifically is pretty impatient when there's a downturn. We don't like right. it. We go, uh, it's like like I when I was promoting this speaking at this event, I said it's like a snow day. Like some of us go out and snowboard, and so the other people just stay in bed and you know watch TV and sulk and sulk. <laughs> and and I mean, the sulkers are the ones who are like they're going to be kicking themselves because they didn't do anything. You know, they cut yeah. it all. Then now they don't have people. Now they've lost momentum on what they were doing before. So it's just, it's, I'm not saying that we'll keep spending money like a crazy person. Be judicious, as you said, but don't opt out, you know, because it's just wrong. You're, you're setting yourself back months. Are you still in, speaking of Silicon Valley, how is funding doing for early stage companies? Is it, is it still on yeah. for early stage or is it bad? I know, I know the scale ups have been hurt a yes. little bit yeah it's the messy well, what middle. about the startups this, so the, the early mess. stage uh, so I, there's a couple of things i was reading a report too and i think it was um i think it was from cb insights um and mm -hmm. i probably somewhere in my desktop 
who knows? Um, but what I saw were two things. It's a bit of a, a what do you call it? A, a bell bar, barbell, barbell, bell bar. I don't even barbell. know that yet, right? Been a long, long, it was a long week. Um, so barbell, meaning that early stage startups are getting some funding. You know, it's not as crazy as it might have been. It's not like 50, you know, a series A of 50 million. It might be a series A of 20 million. And then right. um, some later stage companies that are proven are getting some funding for, you know, probably some kind of exit at some point. The middles is where their, you know, funding numbers are gone down. And one of the reasons that the early stage are still thriving, which is my focus area, and that's what I'll talk about most, is um, there are just more venture firms out there. There are a lot of emerging VCs that are very specifically focused on certain industries or certain investment theses, like, for example, healthcare is one that's really, you know, where even though in aggregate healthcare funding went down because it was COVID related, yeah. specific healthcare initiatives, for example, women and children, that those types of things or longevity, you know, those that it's on the kind of more experimental side, that type of funding is still doing pretty well. Um, and so, so I think there's just more, at least in the United States, we still have, you know, like it, there's still vehicles to get money. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting in Europe, just generally now I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I think things tend to slow down here mm -hmm. slower. Um, because we can't just cut headcount like you can in the U S I mean, in the U S you, we can cut headcount. It, I, yeah, now, this is kind of a big generalization no, across Europe, mm -hmm. but in general, it takes longer to cut headcount here. So I think things take slower to long. Uh, uh, so I kind of look at the U.S. a little bit as mm -hmm. my canary in the coal mine. Mm -hmm. So what's going on there, I think, is very indicative. Yes. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, you guys have, uh, you know, different labor laws than we have. Um, I mean, the other trend that you're seeing and I mean, this is affects my business and, and sometimes it's a bit annoying, but, you know, essentially um, I'm lumped in my business trusted CMOs, I'm lumped into that fractional CMO, you know, dog pile. Um, and <laughs> um, there are a lot of people now who are senior marketing leaders who have sort of said, I'm kind of done. And they're going out and they're essentially consulting. There are a couple of different flavors, of course. I mean, for us, yeah. you know, I'm a, you know, I've been a marketing leader for years and, and you know, I work with companies and bring actually other fractional CMOs in. So I have this, this, what we're calling the trusted collective, pulling talent um, marketing leaders in and then providing tactical support um, that runs the gamut from every B2B, you know, every B2B marketing initiative or activity. So we are able to sort of jump into companies when they've lost a leader or if they had to let people go. So that's a really thriving business right now. In fact, there was just an article about kind of that, the, the growth of the sort of fractional model, not just, mar it's not just marketing, it's sales, it's, you know, finance. Um, it's when companies, you know, either one couldn't hire, never did, and it's decided to say, hey, we're gonna put that, we're gonna freeze now. Yeah. And, but we still need to keep things going. That's really interesting because in, in Europe, they tend to raise less money than their American counterparts. Mm -hmm. And and so the big hires, usually like the VPS sales mm -hmm. and, and, and the C-levels, um, if they aren't part of your co-founding team, they tend to be pushed off yeah. um, until like scale-up phase. So that, that fractional model, and I, I, I guess it's just kind of distributed. People are hiring more and more remote. Yes. 
for kind of all roles. Yeah. I mean, and, and there's a lot of vehicles to do that now. There are. Um, some of the f focuses I've heard people, I know you've got something you got to get to at about 30. Yeah. So I'll, I'll keep an eye on the time sure. and I'll make sure you get off the call at 30. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so I, as to combat this focus on revenue, and I know one of the things that's been coming up recently in a lot of conversations mm -hmm. I had with different SaaSes is customer acquisition mm -hmm. costs that keep going up mm. um, despite everybody's efforts to, to keep these down. Um, and so a lot of teams seem to be going back with, with, with the challenges they're facing, really focusing on customer onboarding, mm -hmm. um, impact, time to impact, and then growing the back end of the funnel. Yes. Yep. I, I, I'm seeing that too. And I think, you know, it's, it's actually a smart thing. We should be doing it anyway, but, yeah. but it's kind yeah. of like, you know, buying a whole bunch of clothes and throwing them in your closet and then suddenly saying, well, I don't even have, I don't have the budget for my fashion acquisitions anymore. So let me go into my closet and see what I can put together and do a better yeah. job of, you know, one, uh, uh, putting outfits together or wearing what you bought that you, you know, the pair of $700 boots, you're like, I actually need to wear these. So, but you know, I'm, I'm dismissing, I'm being dismissive a bit about the concept, but no, honestly, I think that, you know, one of the things that we look at and, and go to market strategy, obviously there's the top of funnel and funnel metrics for, for acquisition. And then there's, you know, obviously closing deals, that's sales. And then we've got the yeah. third leg, which is CS. And a lot of times in go to market, we don't really think of customer success as, as uh, the third leg of go to market, but really is. And, and what that means is exactly what you said, like, you know, are customers using the features we've built? Are they happy with it? Are they getting time to, you know, the time to value that they expected? Are they, going to churn? Um, and are mm -hmm. they referring, you know, our product to their, their coworkers or, or, you know, in, in trying to get some product led growth occurring at the company or even their other colleagues in the same roles that they have at different companies. So there's a lot to nurture. And, you know, one of the things I also, I read, um, I think it was Jason Lemkin recently in Saster made a quick comment a couple of days ago that the cost that that customer success wasn't as good as it used to be that he really? felt that some companies were kind of like doing kind of a quick and dirty like okay i'm going to throw you over the fence now and you talk to a person and then maybe you didn't hear about it or you got a renewal email that was like fifty thousand dollars more than what it was last year you don't know why like i'll see if i can find it but it was it was eye-opening. And I suspect that will change, that companies will need to take a harder look at cultivating and growing their existing customer base. Well, when we're sold to, when we're marketed to, we've kind of got a veneer up. Mm -hmm. And once we've signed on as a customer, that there's no better opportunity to create an emotional contact with mm -hmm a connection with the customer then at, at that point or with the prospect at that point. Right. So that's, and I mean, I think the other company I, or the other mistake I say a lot of companies make is having really, really junior people mm -hmm. uh, prospecting mm. or taking phone calls. Cause you, you'll talk to this person and your first impression is like, they don't know anything. And um, is this from like an SDR type of thing or on a customer? Yeah. Like a, okay. A CR role. And so, so I think it's a, 
bad idea to have like the first contact your company be someone who's so green that like they don't even understand your product yeah. or can't can't answer basic question. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. I mean, I I think you know what we're touching on both with what we were just discussing customer customer success, as well yeah. as this junior salesperson is you know conceptually um, sort of a failure for uh, the company to the company disconnecting product marketing from early, you know, early in a sales cycle to the end of the sales cycle. Product marketing specifically, I'm calling out, it's a very difficult job still to hire for. Mm -hmm. It's a very strategic job that cuts across sales, marketing, and customer success. And sales enablement, AE, you know, IE training is something that product marketing is often tasked with. And sales enablement, maybe you might even hire an entire person dedicated to training both account executives and SDRs to talk about the product and ask the right questions and vet um, in a proper way. And a lot of times what happens, again, it's an inexperience, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem of inexperience is companies go, well, we need to follow the sales model. We got to hire a VP of sales. We're going to hire two AEs and we need an SDR team. And they, so they get all these people and they, nobody actually spends enough time training the SDRs and the AEs end up doing it. And that's okay because in a way for an SDR to shadow an AE and be part of conversations, this is how they learn. But I, I have seen this, I've been on the receiving end of those types of calls. And I've also seen it at companies I work with. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that that is yet another case in point where if we are cutting activities and spend a bit, then let's turn inward and see if we can really get our, our team in a better, in better shape and spend time on training and spend time on talking about the product and, and enablement materials and videos and, and really brainstorming. How can we do a better job of engaging prospects? Um. It's really interesting because I, I I read someone who who wrote that marketing basically is kind of becoming a little bit the junk bin of the SaaS industry. And it's like, if it's not pure sales, if it's not pure finance, if it's not pure everything else, it's kind of been thrown into marketing. Okay. Um, so they were saying customer success uh, often is put under the auspice of marketing or sales mm -hmm. or whatever like that. Do you, do you think marketing's getting too big? Do you think we are, are focused, we're getting, the butter's getting spread too thin over the toast? I've, I've always thought that marketing is, gets that kind of junk bin <laughs> treatment um, because it, Sales has got one goal, you know, they've got a couple of goals, but it's like, it's yeah. closing, closing, Yeah. you know, yeah. customer successes, it's murky, right? You know, and so, yeah. and marketing, even if, even if you have an entire customer success department, I can tell you right now, marketing's got 20% of the work that they're doing that has to serve customer success. You know, oh, can we have this template so we can show customers this? Oh, can we have a conference? Oh, can we have this education thing and can you guys write it and edit it? I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, and, and as marketing leaders, we're like a lot of times it's exciting to be able to start up and build all these things and get the engagement and be part of a team that does it. But at some point we have to say no, or like we don't have the resources. The flip side of the problem is that marketing traditionally has not, you know, been either respected or understood. So we don't often get the resources. So we're running ragged. So yes, Marketing teams are spread too thin. Yes, they're touching too many things. Question is, what can you do about it? So, you know, I am part of a, a group of um, 
CMOs, this empowered CMO network. Um, Sixth Sense kind of started it. Um, I used to work at Sixth Sense back in the old days. And um, this is a frequent conversation. And as and to the point where instead of calling oneself a marketer um, or a chief marketing officer, we called ourselves a chief market officer. Losing the ER meant we're losing all this doing, this doing that we're expected to do yeah. and all this you know, where it's become, that's what creates the junk pile. Market is important because what our job really is, is to create a market for the company and the product. And that's what I think we have to sort of get back to. And, you know, I've worked with so many amazing marketing, you know, market leaders over the years. Um, And, you know, one specific, um, I'll, you know, shout out to Mary Sheehan, who's just published a book on product marketing. She's um, we've worked together at two companies and I have always respected her ability as a product marketer to listen and say, that's a great idea. And also to say no in a very graceful way, because the resources just weren't there. And, and that's what we have to learn to do. I'd yeah. hard to say no to your, when you're seeing like if you're kind of mid-level and people, yeah, it's so it's hard, so to, say hard no. to say no, but it's, it's how you deliver it. You can say like, yeah. I love, you know, yes, we making, uh, you know, a new video to train sales is a great idea. What do you have in mind? What's your time frame? You know, something like I need it this week and I need it to be like, you know, with 10 customers, that's going to be a no, that's just not possible, you know, no. or you say, Hey, we'll hire, yeah, we'll hire an agency. That's going to cost $50,000. Do you have that budget? They don't. <laughs> no, they don't. No one, no one, no. <laughs> Got to ask for a hundred and then yeah. go to 50. You might get yeah. it. But if, if you start out at 50, there's no way. What's the worst panic? Have, have you seen, you mentioned panic. Mm-hmm. Have you seen anybody really panic? Have you pe- seen people like, have you seen a bad panic yet? Um, not really. I mean, Can you tell us about it without ripping the client? No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I've seen a couple uh, and they were, they were coming into sort of last fall and they were, I think, I think they were pretty early stage. They were in over their heads and I get it. You know, like they just had too much of um, where I noticed the most panic to, to be honest, were, was the venture capitalists, Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, you know, look, I've worked with VCs my entire career, nothing against them yeah. personally. It is their job to say, uh, we're seeing red flags, red flags down the road, you know, yeah. Yeah, everything. And it it sends portfolio companies into a tailspin. And so I think it's like, and then they all have to now write about it because they can't, you can't just listen, read Mark Suster. You have to like read somebody else from Sequoia has got to come out. And then, no, 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 you know, they all. Yeah, they're, they're all positioning. They're on all this. positioning on it. And you know, it's fine, but portfolio companies are beholden to them and they get confused about, well, what are we supposed to do with this? You know, like, you like, you know, you, somebody on your board says, you got to stop spending. Like they don't even, I mean, they see the numbers and the metrics, but they don't know the whole story. So that's where I was seeing the, the source of the panic and seeing, you know, like, the, like people panicking is, is my board called me, you know, that, that's what I yeah. saw or my board member called me. Well, you bring up a really good point with this mm-hmm. with, so VCs, you're, you're right. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
just got a couple more minutes yeah, here, so course, I'll make that's just like again at this time. But VCs, uh, like I read people like as things started, and they're like, companies need to focus on the fundamentals, mm -hmm. and I'm like, that's a good idea for any company <laughs> anytime. Yes. Um, so what are they thanks doing otherwise? For the, thanks. thanks for yeah, the yeah, thanks, I mean, obvious. Yeah, that was great. Okay, <laughs> no more parties um guys get to work yeah. <laughs> uh so i thought that was really interesting and and um and also this is my third kind of uh time in this mm -hmm. so i was around in 2001 mm -hmm. in 2000 when when all the, like the dot com companies sure. the dot dot bombed and i remember like investors they gave 200 million to like petfood.com and so I kind of feel like investors are their own worst oh, yeah. enemy too. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I've I've been through a few myself. Uh, you know, through uh, I was huh. I probably one of the um, <clears throat> parts of that. Uh, the dot com. I worked at Red Herring Magazine back in the old days when it was like crazy, Ooh. right? Ninety seven yeah. through two thousand, uh, awesome. and it couldn't get any. It was like nineteen twenty nine. You know, it was a, it's sanity. Um, and I, I think it, it is, yes, people were giving money to companies that weren't just not weren't viable or just an idea. And, you know, that still happens, by the way. I've, I heard anecdotally a story about that. Somebody said they got a bunch of funding and they, they didn't even have a product yet. They just, these were just people who were known entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, they'll be able to pull it off. Here's $10 million. This was like a couple months ago. So yeah. that behavior hasn't died out. But but I, I, I think that, um, you know, Generally, I feel that a time like this is one of the best times to start a company. And, you know, the point yeah. that I made earlier, which is the early stage guys are like, they're just like trying to execute, you know, trying to get build their product, do the research on their, on their ideal customer profiles in beta with their products, you know, launching at the right show that where their customers are going to be doing things judiciously. Um, I, every business I've ever started, and I'm, this is my fourth business was during a downturn, every single one. That's interesting. And it's also a better time to hire yes. people. You can negotiate better mm -hmm. and you get better quality for the money you spend. Yeah. So I, every time I've seen like these downturns, there's usually been a ton of great companies mm -hmm. that have been spun up like two to three yeah. years l later on. So that's great. Well, listen, um, I don't want to take too much of your time. Uh, uh, just one last question yeah. about the VCs. Sure. I'm, I'm wondering, are the VCs going to have a shakeout? Are there going to be fewer VCs at the end of this? Well, um, well, you know, it's um, I, I, I'm kind of trying to in my mind think through. You know, VCs tend to, you know, they raise, they have to raise funds, right? They have to money, go to yeah. limited partners and raise money. Um, there's a great conference that's uh, it's invite only, really, for LPs and, and certain emerging funds called Raise. Um, I, I, yeah. I was um, fr I'm friendly with them, and they published some really interesting data about um, what kinds of funds are getting funded from limited partners and what areas are trending. And we have a long horizon with these, you know, seven-ish years, five to seven years. So uh, tip, one of the research points that I found was really interesting is first funds tend to outperform sometimes funds two and three. And that's because um, maybe the amounts are smaller, the companies are building. So it's hard to say, you know, whether there'll be a shakeout because first funds are a bit risky if you don't beginners love. Yeah, yeah well i mean it's hard you know <laughs> you gotta you gotta you, you won't know until you know until you do the right. analysis later but um i i don't know i i think i think 
investors that don't have a good, you know, hunting crew <laughs> to find great companies and, um, you know, they might struggle a little bit, but also like companies may need money. So I, it's, it's probably too early to tell, give it a couple of years and see, um, you know, what the shakeout will be. We had an enormous number of emerging funds come, you know, come to fruition over the last couple of years. So we're going to need to look at, you know, how they performed. Um, and then if they raised fund two or so, you know, what that looks like. Yeah. All right. That's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Listen, um, her name is Allison Murdoch. Her company is Trusted CMO. She's the co-founder and also the CMO. I, I highly recommend I'm you check out her I'm the only founder, LinkedIn. not the co-founder. <laughs> oh, she's the only founder. I'm sorry. Um, she, uh, I highly recommend you check out her LinkedIn profile. She posts lots of interesting stuff, including job postings for marketing roles. And I think she had a VP of marketing and a product marketing role up there today. So check out her profile up there. And if you have marketing questions, she's got the answers. Oh, um, <laughs> thank you very much, Allison. And if I'm not mistaken, you play the bass, right? I do. I do. I've been, I'm a little rusty though. I haven't been playing for a while, but I, yeah, I'm, right. get, I'm getting back into it in January. I'm going to join, join a fun little band. So we got to start the B2B rocks band. Yeah, yeah. All right, keep going. Do your okay. thing. Okay. Great to talk Have to you. Have a great day. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, on here. She's so much fun. Um, she's really interesting. I think that's one of the great things about working in technology is talking with these people, getting a chance to meet them. And uh, there's so many interesting, intelligent people. Um, and if they don't agree with you, they'll absolutely tell you they, they, they don't agree with you. They're, no one's got their, um, they say, French say long in their post, their tongue in their pocket. Any case, um, this is the second last show uh, before 2023. Hopefully you've got your Christmas list done. Hopefully you're feeling good. Um, our last show is coming up on Tuesday. So December 20th, same time, 6 PM. And we're going to talk about IOT, a uh, really interesting market. I used to work in IOT. Um, people came out with these projections that, oh, there's going to be all oh, billions of devices as it happened. So we're going to talk with someone who's really active in this marketplace and post a lot of content that's really interesting and uh, has a lot of interesting ideas. So Afzal Mangal, yeah, I pronounced that correctly. I know Afzal is pretty good, but the last name might be wrong. So we'll talk with him um, on, on Tuesday. It should be a really interesting conversation. There's a guy who, who has pretty good opinions. <laughs> Always has something funny to say about this market. Listen, have a great Thursday, uh, have a great Friday and have a great weekend. And Christmas is right around the corner. And see you on Tuesday. Bye-bye.